0: Hi, I'm Nigel Campbell, editor of Jazz in the Islands magazine, with another episode of Island Jazz Chat, a podcast featuring conversations with Caribbean jazz and pan-jazz musicians based in the islands and the diaspora. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Island Jazz Chat. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Dominican jazz guitarist Cameron Pear. Uh, fixture on the UK scene and now I think back in the Caribbean once again in Dominica performing jazz for anybody and everybody I know for as a fact as a promoter of jazz artist greens, I could speak from full hand experience I've seen him perform live brilliant musician fantastic morning Cameron how are you
1: morning not too bad not too bad a bit under the weather tired but um,
0: I'm good that's good I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you're part of this podcast um as our listeners do we do a podcast interviewing um Caribbean jazz musicians here and in the diaspora and you are the ideal candidate because let me just understand your biography you were born in London
1: Mm -hmm. raised
0: in Dominica and took went back to England had a massive career, recording and performing career. I know mm. you're back in Dominica. Yes, I am indeed. Well, there you are. <laughs> so let's let's just get, get going. Tell us, let, tell us, how did your journey begin as a musician?
1: Well, it's funny. I just had that conversation last night with a couple of musicians because I did we did a um, gig with some um, some of our legends, you know, because mm-hmm. this um, weekend celebration going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it started for me is uh, with a band called Black Roots. Mm. And um, it came up basically out of the blue. The bass player left. Mm-hmm. Um, he became a Christian. He didn't want to play secular music anymore because he didn't want to go to hell. That's mm. his words. I you. So, so I, I, I got asked to join the band, and I was about six, fifteen, sixteen, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, and they just the band had just secured a, a, a deal, a record deal, to mm. um, to record an album. So they were they were traveling to uh, Martinique within like six months. Mm. So I had to learn I don't know about 8 9 songs
2: mm-hmm.
1: of a bass guitar that had three strings. A bass guitar with three strings. Yes, well <laughs> what happened was you have to remember this was 1976, yeah? Uh-huh. So one of the um the machine heads on the on the bass guitar was broken. Okay. And we couldn't source the replacement.
0: Okay, so you you,
1: you <laughs> improvised as it was. <laughs> well, yes, and um so that's that's where it started for me. But interestingly, when we 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 got to Martinique, mm mm-hmm. Um, you know, going to the studio and, and and the engineer came and he presented me with this bass guitar with four strings. Mm. Now I've never played a bass guitar with four strings. Wow. <laughs> and I'm looking really like at this thing, I'm like, what do I do with the extra string? You know. Mm. So mm. We 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 recorded this album. I played three strings, I, but that's that's where that's where it started. That's how it started for me.
0: That's how it started as a 15 year old playing bass guitar, a three string yeah. bass guitar
1: with black woods.
0: <laughs> What I know is that you also, it was Black Roots was a, a reggae band. Am I correct in that?
1: Well, it, it, there's a bit of confusion there. There was a reggae band, or there is still a reggae band in, in England, in Bristol, mm-hmm. called Black Roots. Mm-hmm. So when I went up to England, you know, years later, I discovered there was a, a reggae band called Black Roots, you know? Mm-hmm. So these are the two different bands and two different sides of the world. I hear you. I hear mm-hmm. you. So Reaching the same messages.
0: I got you. How did mm-hmm. you make that transition from reggae? To jazz, or is it that you've always been into fusion, fusing Caribbean rhythms with jazz, or the language of jazz? Well, there's
1: two stories to that. Interestingly, my my dad, my father here in Dominica, had a huge jazz collection. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: on on Sundays it would go like that. In the morning, my mom would listen. My mother would listen to all her reggae records,
2: mm-hmm.
1: all her reggae, and all her calypso, all her soca, all of you know she had all of. Um, Sparrows records all of Kitchener's records and my dad all had his Nat calls and Sarah Vaughan, you know mm. so they would split the time but yeah he had a massive jazz collection
2: wow.
1: and but this, the, the 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 connection with jazz the, or should I say the, the transition to jazz actually came about when uh, I had this reggae band in London after I travelled to London age 17 yes. I immediately formed this band and not long after this this guy called Jerry Jerry Hector he would come up to the rehearsal every Sunday and he would say to me, do you know who George Benson is? Mm. And I would say no. And this went on for this went on for years. Every Sunday, he would say the same thing. And I was about age 20 and he came and he, he said the same thing. And I got really fed up, you know? Mm. So a Sunday afternoon, we finished rehearsing and I take the bus. I remember it clearly, a number 18 bus. And I went down to Queensway to the record shop and... I walked into the shop and I asked the assistant, I'm like, do you have any George Benson records? And he said, yes, we got some records over there. Mm. So I pulled one out. My, he said, don't you want to hear it? And you hear what it's on? I say, no, man, I might not like it. Just take the money, give me my record, let me go home. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I, I went home and I, I put this thing on. And I'm like, man. You see, because up until that point, I thought I was a really great guitar player. See, everybody tell me I was good, so I must have been good.
2: Mm.
1: And then I, I started to listen to this song called It Inside Your Love." I'm like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's not possible. No one can play like that. <laughs> and, you know. And then that's where it started. But the other, the other big um, shift for me was about maybe about three months later. Mm-hmm. I, I walked into this community center where a lot of Caribbean kids used to go and just hang out in the afternoon. Yeah. And I walked in on this conversation with this piano player and a vocalist
2: mm-hmm.
1: arguing about who is the better guitarist. So she's saying to him, the vocalist is saying to the piano player, no, no, Wes Montgomery is a much better guitar player than 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 George Benson. And he's saying, no, George Benson is better. Now, these two guys, these two people are younger than me, you know, they're younger to mm-hmm. by about three, four years, they're younger than me.
2: Yes.
1: And they're talking about George Benson and Wes Montgomery, I'm like, I just discovered George Benson a couple of weeks ago. You mean there's somebody better than George Benson? (laughs) So I jumped on the same bus, number 18 bus. I went back to the same shop Mm -hmm. and I asked for a West Montgomery album. Mm -hmm. Same conversation, same look it over there, take it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hear it? No, I don't want to hear it. Pay for it. I go home, I listen to it. And then I had to make a decision. I could either stop playing or start practicing. Mm -hmm. practice 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 yes and then from then on i was yes Mm -hmm. um
0: just 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 to get a stick up in your you you, i had read an an interview that you did with loop caribbean Mm -hmm. where um you know telling us about your transit your movement to to england with, with your mother and the and having a bass guitar instead of a <laughs> guitar, which is what you initially wanted, right? But then at the same time, you it was suggested that you were self-taught.
1: Just out of mm-hmm. curiosity, you never went to any music school to do any training? No, I didn't. What happened with the bass guitar thing? You see, so whilst I was still in Dominica playing with Black Roots, you know, mm-hmm. the, the instruments that we had actually belonged to someone else. They did not belong to the band. Yeah. And so I wrote to my mom, i like la- I said to her, I needed a bass guitar. No, I knew nothing about Different brands, different models. Just a mm-hmm. basic, a bass guitar. A bass guitar. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to her and I was telling her that I needed a bass guitar. So instead of she sending me a bass guitar, she said, "May I take it for me to travel to London?" Mm. So I got to London and maybe about a week later, I'm sitting in my bedroom. I'm not too happy because I'm in this gray place. There, everything gray, everything green, gray, green, 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 green cool. Yes, <laughs> and I just sit in my room, miserable, like sin you know. Mm. And the non knocks, and she walks in and she hands me this guitar, this case. I'm thinking, mm. oh, thank God. And I open it. It's not a bass. Mm. This thing has six strings, a plank of wood, it's a cheap guitar. It's like, but I really couldn't say to her that she bought me the wrong instrument, you know, mm-hmm. because at the time, you know, my parents had just been, they just separated. My mom moved back to England and she brought, she had just brought my brother, and my sister, and then me. So things were tough, you know, a single parent vibe. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't say to her that was the wrong instrument. Mm. So I just had to learn to play the guitar.
0: I hear you. Thank God for your mother. <laughs> Thank
1: God for that. Yeah. Thank God for that.
0: Yeah. yeah um I, I as a, I'm noting this, the George Benchan story, because I had done a podcast recently with Clifford Charles from Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And I know Buhingson from St. Lucia has a very similar story, but the influence that George Benson had on yeah. their direction in, in music as it was. Um so, George got George and Wes Montgomery got you started into recognizing practice is what makes this, this business go around. And you were in your, your reggae bands in, in London. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about the London scene, um, certainly, I guess, about by the 80s, as it was, that I, I'm i in trying I don't even read these things. I really haven't encountered to it but but these there was Jazz Jamaica, Jazz Warriors, mm-hmm. and Tomorrow's Warriors. Those three entities and or organizations seem sure. to have crafted black black music in england (laughs) beyond beyond early calypso of kitchen or something like that Mm -hmm. were you part of any of those groups the jazz jamaica and i know i know your relationship with courtney pine and we'll get there Mm -hmm. but let me just wonder if if you're part of any of those
1: oh god yes very much so i think the one of the last gigs i did before i came back to dominica was with jazz jamaica Because um Gary Crosby the band leader uh, we go back a long way so it's yes. years you know um you common link among all three yes yes the jazz warriors the jazz warriors was an organization set up by Courtney Pine and his wife mm. and although i was i did a couple of gigs with them but i was not an integral part of the of the whole jazz warriors setup but i was in and around the, the scene at the time
2: mm.
1: um tomorrow's warriors was a spin off tomorrow's warriors is really like uh, a stepping stone for younger musicians.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the way Jazz jazz Warriors and Tomorrow's Warriors are part of the same family. Mm-hmm. So the Tomorrow's Warriors is you have, you know, you have young kids who are just starting up and trying to to See make their way. Across Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So they join Tomorrow's Warriors and, and that's the bridge from Tomorrow's Warriors. You know, they, mm-hmm. once they graduate, they step into Jazz Jamaica. When they graduate again, then they go out and become solo artists. Solo artists, yes. Yes, okay. yes. So the jazz, sorry, but the jazz, the the tomorrow's worries, jazz Jamaica is is very much like uh art Blakey messengers. It's like a stepping stone for talented musicians, got you, you know, to learn their craft on stage, stage Mm -hmm. present, how to generate tone, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm.
0: The the jazz scene in England, as I said, me here in Trinidad, and I try, I try my best to be a discoverer of things. So Mm -hmm. I'm always asking the questions, well. I, I knew and I understand there were Caribbean people who had been in England since before, before winrush Rush. And oh, yeah. there was, um, there were some other musicians I knew, uh, Trinidadian, um, oh my God. I just. Fitzroy Coleman, I, can't, I forget the man's name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Fitzroy Coleman, of course, Trinidadian guitarist was a kind of hero there. He came back mm-hmm. to Trinidad was slightly, not he was frustrated by the reception that he got there. Um, and I'll probably ask you later down about your your mm-hmm. reception coming back to Dominica from England. How did Dominicans treat you? Do. But in that scene that you were growing up, there certainly the 70s, 80s, um how vibrant was the, the jazz scene in England among Caribbean musicians? If you don't mind me asking that question.
1: Well, when I got there in, in, in 77, you know, the, the dominant culture musically was the Jamaican culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That was absolutely, you know, amongst Caribbean people, it was the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you knew nothing about any other Island. It was just Jamaican, you know, but slowly, but surely, I think when, when Courtney Pine came on the scene mm-hmm. in, in, I would say about 85, mm-hmm. but 85, 86, Things started changing. And what we actually found out that there were like loads of there were small pockets of of Caribbean musicians who played jazz. Yes. But we knew nothing about them
0: Mm.
1: because they were scattered all over the country. Mm -hmm. But when Courtney came on the scene and he created this this organization called Abibi Jazz,
2: Mm.
1: it was an organization for base for for young jazz musicians, for young black musicians who were interested in jazz. Mm-hmm. To come together from that, the jazz warriors, you know, and everything started up, yeah, mm. absolutely. And it just basically, guys, musicians just started coming out from everywhere, mm. you know, guys we never knew who were interested in jazz, you know. Mm. So the whole thing started from there. I mean, Courtney Pine really was the catalyst for that.
0: I understand. Mm. And you, you, I know that Courtney had produced some of your recordings, but um, describe your relationship now, how you met him, and how that that partnership with Courtney developed.
1: Well, I I met Courtney when he was. 16 so i i had this reggae band i'm four years older than courtney mm-hmm. so i had this reggae band and you know we were doing all right we were doing all the kickies here and there and the vocalist just out of the blue she just said oh my my friend's brother plays saxophone mm-hmm. so we're like well bring him down man <laughs> so courtney come down you know next year so now what you have to understand courtney is very how should i explain it okay I'm from Dominica in the band. I'm from Dominica. My brother from Dominica. The bass player from Dominica. Everybody from the Caribbean. We raw as hell, you know. We mm-hmm. proper Caribbean people. Yeah. And Colton come in his band and he's English as chips. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you good. understand? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So he's like, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. But it was very obvious that he was superior to us. Mm-hmm. Even though that day. He was, you know, we, we knew then he was, he was far advanced. You know, but um, um, I think what what helped our relationship was that, you know, he he had a liking for jazz, of course, and I just developed, I just had, you know, just learned about George Benson, and there was this musician, mm-hmm. so we had this thing in common. Okay, so it, it basically just grew from there. Yeah. So Courtney's
0: career, I know he had gone on his own, and obviously with jazz warriors, yes, but um, mm-hmm. your your recording career. Was in nineteen ninety six. Were you doing any recordings with a reggae band before nineteen ninety six when he started your solo career? I did a lot of. I did a
1: lot of. Uh, you know, I played on a lot of records that I don't even know their names. Ah, you are such a musician. Yes, especially in the reggae world. You know, mm. it was. I mean, I spent. It's funny. My my career was. It has been in two halves. Or mm-hmm. well. It's, well, we just—I was just about to say three halves, but we just added another. I was going to say four halves. Actually, <laughs> it was the
0: English reggae, um, the reggae and, and jazz, reggae and jazz. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah,
1: music, that is not you not right? Mind. So Tell me. let's say I never heard, no. mm-hmm. So the last third, but the, the the first third of my career was really as a reggae musician.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so I was, you know, I, I got hired, I got called to do a lot of gigs for a lot of reggae music, reggae musicians coming from Jamaica or those who based in Jamaica. And okay. So before that really it was mainly with, with, with reggae musicians. Mm. It was all of it is with reggae musicians, mm. you know, every single one. I didn't do any no jazz, nothing at all. It was mainly reggae stuff. Mm. Reggae stuff, yeah. Mm. Now I again with that
0: infamous loop interview, 21 questions, you spoke about the idea of Caribbean people, there's no jazz in the Caribbean. And there's this your your philosophy about fusion was kind of explicated in that um thing. I don't mm. know if you I'd like it to kind of you know, give me a little further, because I'm one of those persons, like I have a number of other musicians and a number of other persons who are into <clears> the music. Yeah, jazz is an American thing. At the genesis of jazz, there were Caribbean influences, certainly in the Northern Caribbean, Cuba, Haiti, that kind of stuff. But what we've been doing since, let's say since um, Fitzroy and probably earlier, and Schofield Pilgrim and Trinidad, Clive Sandin and Trinidad, with this fusion of Kaiso jazz, what Monty does in Jamaica with his reggae, what you're doing with, with Zouk, among other things, and certainly what the Latins have been, uh, Latins have been doing. The fusion exercise is real, right? Yeah. Um, speak to me about your philosophy, about the idea of what you're, the music that you create. Is it jazz? Is it jazz fusion?
1: Is it world fusion? Let me know well,
0: what you're thinking as.
1: The thing is, what, I, what I, I've come to ex- accept about jazz is, you know, when, you know, jazz is an American culture. And it's my view, it's my belief, mm-hmm. my humble opinion that it doesn't matter how hard I try, I can't speak for other people that I'll never be able to play it as good as they can. You know, when you when you hear Trinidad musician play calypso, mm-hmm. it's totally different to when you hear Jamaican musician play calypso. Oh yes, and when you hear Jamaican musician play reggae, because mm-hmm. I've played reggae music, with Jamaican musician, and trust me, mm-hmm. they play different to when mm-hmm. Dominican or Trinidadian you or know, Englishman play reggae music. Is a fact,
2: that's and
1: it's the same with jazz. When American musicians play jazz music, I mean, it's interesting. I, I I was in New York with Courtney one time, mm-hmm. and we went to this. We just went to a gig, mm-hmm. and the trumpeter, oh God, what's his name? He 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 play, He was on the mobile. His name will come back. But he's a famous trumpeter, and um, they were playing. Chad, Darren Blanchard, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And um, they were playing, and they were playing great. And then they played this reggae tune. Mm. And me and Courtney just looked at each other and we like, this is wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but to them it was great. And it, I mean, you know, harmonically and, you know, the concept, it, there was nothing wrong with what they were playing. Mm-hmm. It's just when something is not part of your culture. Yes. It's very, very difficult to, you know, now I came to that conclusion very early on. Now I studied jazz. I still study jazz and I love jazz harmony and I, I love the freedom that it, 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 it kind of allows me. Mm-hmm. But, I couldn't ignore the fact that I'm from Dominica. Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh.
1: And I grew up listening to plenty, plenty guys' music. Uh-huh. Plenty. And then, of course, Martinique and Guadalupe is this around us. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, I grew up, I don't know if you used to get this station, but I remember growing up in, in Dominica in the 70s. There used to be a radio station called Radio Antilles. Yes. And sure. that radio station played everything.
2: Uh-huh. You know, there was back, no... Special. Back in the
1: day before
0: the proliferation of radio stations, we, didn't try and add, we literally had two radio stations, and that was it. And every <laughs> kind of music was played on that. Now that you have sp- spread out the radio stations, stations right. only play one kind of music, and you never hear, unfortunately, local music. Absolutely. It's not local jazz
1: music. So, go ahead. But that's the kind of, you know, that's the environment I grew up in. I You know, and, and it was really hard for my music every time I tried writing something. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult for that side of me not to to come through. But the, the turning point for me, I had two, there were two incidents. I call them incidents, but I went to see Monty Alexander play Mm -hmm. festival hall. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away by what he did. He was doing, he was doing doing a lot of um, Jamaican folk song, like Slymongos and -hmm. and Linset Market Mm -hmm. with jazz musicians. Yeah. And that was one incident. And then I went to Martinique. I went to France. Mm -hmm. I went to France and then I went to a party and then, the DJ played this record and I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, so I went to the DJ after I am asking him, I asked him, who's this? He told me, oh, it's a piano player from Martinique called Mario Kanaj. Mario right? And I'm like, that is it mm. right there. Because mm. that was just confirmation for me mm. that you can do it. You know, <clears throat> so I actually describe what I do uh, is, is carrying rhythms with jazz harmony.
0: Got you yeah
1: yeah i i just simplified and say
0: caribbean jazz and that is, what it is. Yeah, well it's the same thing yeah that's what it is and mm-hmm. I, uh, the language of jazz the, the 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 vocabulary of jazz but with our dna in it and i think that is so important that's just-
1: basically it. that you know when i describe it like this when i especially in london when 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 you know a lot of journalists when i do interviews and they ask me
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's an easier explanation for them to understand it's caribbean rhythms Mm-hmm. jazz harmony that they understand but this caribbean jazz is you know jazz,
0: yeah yeah try yeah. to simplify it as much as i so in terms of your, your career at this point now you had of course you had met and played with with courtney you had heard monty mario your understanding about the idea of fusion was going forward and in england certainly in the 90s beyond pop and that kind of stuff um reggae, they had reggae bands, Aswad, Steel Pulse, all these bands were kind of dominating the English scene among Caribbean musicians. But w- you decided at some point in time, I'm gonna go and do some solo album work. What was your impetus for doing solo work beyond beyond your reggae
1: leadership as you were there? Well, you know what happened with the solo thing? I never intended on being a solo musician, you know. I I had a band, I formed a band. <laughs> and um I just say about after two years the band fell apart everything fell apart for various reasons
2: mm. and
1: I just realized you know what I can't do this band thing anymore too many cooks mm. you know I just say too much too much chief and not enough indian the ah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so I just decided you know and, and the fact was that I in the band I wrote 99% of all the songs it was a vocal band and I wrote all the songs I'm thinking well mm. I mean I can't do this yeah so, I just started you know I just started trying out getting little gigs and so on and you know and see how it worked out, and then you know I saw the reaction to my you know to to my to my songs and my gigs and i thought okay let's let's give this a go
0: yeah you you recorded the first album, I think it's called about time it happened
1: about time, yes, yeah. yes, and it was on your own label is, um, it was I mean, well <laughs> you see, I did something back then that not many musicians of my generation was doing, which was. Everyone was looking for a record label. Mm-hmm. Everyone was looking for a deal. a deal. I started recording these songs, you know. I started, you know, I, I do some gigs. i have some cash. i go to the recording studio. Back then, very few people had, you know, recording facilities at home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I started, you know. And then I just ended up with nine songs that were recorded and mastered. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine put me onto a, a distribution company, and I called them. I'm like, I said, look, I've recorded this album. I don't have no deal. I don't have nothing. And the guy just said to me, well, if you can press a thousand CDs, I'm like, whoa, a thousand CDs, and now <laughs> a thousand CDs pressing a thousand CDs back in the days, I mean, you too- know, a lot of money. Yeah, and then to do the artwork and do this, this was all new. And with the help of my wife, you know. She wasn't even my wife then. We were still courting, in we were living together. You know, she just gave me a credit card and she said, go here, do it. I'm like, eh? Nah, well, executive. Just like executive. that? <laughs> so I, <laughs> I went ahead, you know, pressed the CDs, do all the work, gave it to these people. And a couple weeks later, you know, I'm turning on the radio. My wife and I, we, my, my son, we were driving somewhere, mm-hmm. listening to Jazz FM, as you do. Mm-hmm. And then the song just came on. Which song was that? It was a song called um, a song called Didi's groove i'm like hey you know i mean the excitement was something else and i went in the record shop as soon as i walked into B record there's a rack there outside on the front and there's my album
2: there mm.
1: It just happened. I'm I'm not even sure how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure how it happened, you know. Yeah, that just set me on this path part. It just yeah, set me
0: I, I did notice because I when I was checking your bibli- um your discography, it was nineteen ninety six that album came up but in nineteen ninety seven it was re released under a different title.
1: Yes, what well, well you see now <laughs> you sing about the England your, word, the front word. <laughs> doing things for yourself, eh? You know, you, mm. you people start take notice. If you sit down and you wait, mm-hmm. nothing happened. It, Once you start doing it, then... So what happened? I released this album. And about a year later, this record company called me. And -hmm. they said they want to sign me. I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay. But however, they want to re-release
2: this
1: album that I did. And they wanted to call it something. They changed the title. They said they want to call it Friday Night. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait... (laughs) I guess you both. want to release with you know with, with, with the backing of a record company so they came and they released it and so on yet mm. but that's why that same album got two titles
0: yeah i was the kind of can i see talk? can i say what is happening here because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i'm aware that you had six albums but mm-hmm. it's the, the five more prominent album names are up and there's an album which i have to ask you guitar player is that an album that's an album. No, where did that come out? Because uh, the, that is so confusing. So, There's very little information on the internet, so I don't know. You have to very
1: little it. information on that album. I, and I you see, that album, I, I can't, I can't disclose too much information here. I might, I might get into trouble. But however, I, not, I had, I had a problem with um, that record company.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had a little problem with them.
2: Mm. Is it someone anyway, who,
1: who re-released? yes, to sign me? Yes, yes, okay. yes. And then when I decided to to quit on the whatever, you know, YouTube method I used, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I recorded that other album, um, guitar player in my house, I recorded it, and then yeah, I mainly sold it on the road, on on gigs oh, and so and on. Gigs. Yeah, so What what so year was that? That was
0: probably two thousand and four. Two thousand four, two thousand five. Which one? Because oh, I,
1: I did see a reference to two thousand and five, but. It might be, it might have been, it might have been, it might have been, but yes, I, I did that then as a, as a protest, the protest CD. Ah, yeah. I got you to get out of the contract as it was, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. I know it's this, cool. I know that happens among our, our number of musicians. Yeah. Yes, Go, going yes. back to the early days as it was, I think mm-hmm. before 2000, you had an album called Return to the Source. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I love that album. It has, definitely has a little more flavor of the, the Zook flavor as it was, and mm-hmm. some of the reggae flavor and thing. Tell me about that album if you don't mind. Well, that
1: album was the first album that I, I actually recorded for, for, for the record company.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And um, there's a lot of things I like about it and a lot of things I don't like, I don't like about about it, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it was the first time I was actually given money to mm-hmm. to go and do an album.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I didn't have to spend any time can say, hey, here's the budget, mm-hmm. record the album. And um, um, I, I used quite a few different musicians in there on that album. It's an album I don't listen to at all. In oh. fact, I don't listen to any of my work, but that one in particular. I don't know why.
0: Well, I was going to ask you why, but is it that you're not impressed with the work or you, as now you're looking back and saying, uh, I could have been better? What does that i tell
1: you me? what, I don't listen to any of my stuff. Once I've recorded them, it's done. I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to see it. I have no, there's no copy of my albums in my house. But- at all, at all, at all. In fact, fact, I give you a story, mm. not so long, long ago, I had to, um, I had to send some. I have a gig coming up soon, and I had to send some, some, some of the songs, some of the musicians. I had to go on Amazon and buy the thing. <laughs> but I but, kid you not. But you, I went up. on Amazon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not the first, not for the first time, uh,
2: and to buy, buy my music. own
1: music.
0: To you. stay
1: for the musicians to learn.
0: Yeah, I am aware though that you, of course, as I said, you, you playing music so it's not like when you came to Trinidad you, you played from the Radio Jumbo album so it's not like you don't know the music I mean I, I'm, I've i often wondered about why musicians I've heard that by foreign musicians whether it's pop rock whatever and Famousy Miles you know he made the music and that's it and when this is done it's done and he's looking forward is that part of your philosophy
1: to go forward? Well, no it's a more selfish reason for that I just think when I listen to my playing, it just sounds like rubbish Oh, yes to me it just everything I play on there just sounds it's, why did you play this note? Well, why could you not play anything there? If you don't have nothing good to say, just shut up.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so that's why I, I listen back to it and everything just sounds... Doesn't sound perfect. It, yes, it does, it's not so much perfect. I, I don't mind the, you know, things not sounding perfect, but it, to my ears, you know, mm-hmm. it's it just sounds wrong. So I I just save myself the pain mm-hmm. and I don't listen to it until if I have to learn... You know, and, and often enough, you know, when I play musicians, they, they usually know my songs better than me. Mm.
2: <laughs> okay. Yes, it's
1: the truth. It's, mm. it's funny, it's just recently, I, I really started making an effort because I spoke to a, is there's a, a saxophonist in, in England called Camilla George, you know, mm. a really great saxophone player. And um, I spoke to her recently and she was talking about working on her, her uh, what's the word she used now? She used the word. But basically, we were talking about practicing mm-hmm. and practice habits and so on. Yeah, and she said she spent a great deal of her time learning her stuff, mm-hmm. which was a bit of a revelation to me because I don't practice myself. But it makes so much sense because if you're going to go on stage and present your stuff, then it means mm-hmm. you have to, you know, you yeah, have really to be able to present to it properly, mm-hmm. you know. So she spends a, a great deal of time learning her stuff, even after she's recorded it, you know, mm-hmm. which was a bit of a revelation for me and and. Uh, it's something I, I really need to start doing. But I've taken it on board.
0: Yeah, I I, note, I notice also that you are, you are the main composer, obviously, of all the music on the album. So mm. it's not that you have to play other people's stuff, right, in terms of creativity. <laughs> you, you have enough, a body of work that you could, you have a career, <laughs> as it was, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but is it is it that the audiences want to hear other people's stuff as opposed
1: to your stuff? Mm. I mean, how does it work? That you well, you know. you know, for me, I, I, I've always believed this, you know, I know some, I actually believe that as an artist, it's your responsibility to educate the audience. Mm-hmm. I don't think the audience should take to you what you play. Yes. You know, I don't believe that at all. And um, if I'm playing, if I have a gig, I play my stuff. I mean, sometimes I play other people's music because I like it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't put it in the set because of the audience. I never do that. I play somebody, you know, if I, I, I mean, there's human nature that Sydney, what's it, I'm singing off or for some yeah, Miles DiVigorian, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it. And I play it a lot in my set because I like it,
2: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah,
1: but time I, I, the yeah, attack, exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. She
0: did time after time. So who did human nature? Human nature. Well, I know it's on one of your records. Human nature is Michael Jackson.
1: Yes, it was written by Mike Caro. That's it. Yeah. Michael, Michael Jackson first.
0: Michael did. Jackson performed yeah. "Human Nature," and um, it was Steve Caro who played for Toto. He wrote the song. Steve Caro, drummer. Yeah. Yes, um, keyboard player. Um, Steve Caro from Toto. Time after time, Miles Davis certainly had done over the Cyndi Lauper song, and that's it was a hit.
1: Okay. <laughs> a hit. It was a hit. It was a big hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I play that song because I I like I love playing it. I love you know I enjoy performing. Mm-hmm. But I I I try to you know play as many of my songs that's, as that's I can good. because I write the thing. So I played I write it because I want
0: to play it. I hear you. So you play your own stuff. And I am just always curious about why musicians, certainly here in Trinidad, a lot of musicians look at the audience and say, well, they're not going to know my music. They put out albums with original music, but audiences, I don't know if it's laziness or just because you of radio to convince people, no, mm-hmm. you want to hear Michael Jackson's music or you want to hear Cindy Lauper's music. So if a musician covers those songs much better than an original composition by Cameron Pear. i I'm one of those persons who say, if you're creating music, please God, let us learn. Let let the audiences hear that music, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm happy that you wrote your songs. I'm happy you are practicing. I'm just gonna stick you here. Pray your Play, your Play, yes. your songs, right? Play your own songs. Play your own songs. Play your own songs. Play your own songs. Your own songs. You've composed too many, too much music for not for you not to be playing your own songs. And it's it, it's, it's it's as I said, it's difficult and jazz. Certainly so here in the Caribbean, we have a number of jazz festivals. And I know that you headlined the Dominica Jazz and Creole mm. some years ago. And audiences, carnival culture is really dominant in Trinidad. And I think in a number of the islands, right, mm. that don't have reggae as dominant music. And so we are somebody kind of our vibe is different than a jazz event yes. in, in London. Mm-hmm. But we also have this notion of just play something I know, right, but jazz it up. Uh, what does jazz yeah. I mean? Play me <laughs> As shadow how does that vibe get, get to you?
1: Well, you, you know, it's I tell you I have, <laughs> I got called to do a gig recently.
2: Mm.
1: Cuz last, last we did a gig last night. Oh, yeah. However, the headline band is a band called the Midnight Rovers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, they got is a band that's been together for 50 years.
2: Oh, and,
1: yeah, yeah. So the guitarist the guitarist left the band. Mm-hmm. And I got the call. Now, this guy is a phenomenal guitar player. I mean, he's phenomenal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, I was really honored to be called to do this gig. So I went to rehearse to the band. Mm-hmm. And then I sat, you know, some of the parts I was playing. And then the percussionist, he said, he looked up, he said, he said, yeah, man, it go like this, you know, like jazz. Like jazz, like jazz. Mm. So I said, I say, what's jazz. <laughs> mm. I just sat down there I look at him, I say, bro mm.
2: that's
1: not jazz that's not jazz yeah that's not jazz but yeah pe- people's perception of what jazz is especially in the Caribbean mm. is very different mm. to what jazz really is It's what really is I hear you I hear you uh, I, 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 I would I, say with the exception of, of Martin and Trinidad to a certain extent mm. but I've, I've found that people's perception, perception in the region mm-hmm. about jazz is definitely it's mm. wrong
0: is wrong, as it was. Mm. I hear you. I hear you. So Caribbean audiences, as you've discovered, have been a little difficult to understand the concept of jazz. But you were in England at this time, so what was the reaction for the English audiences to your fusion exercises and jazz? How was that response?
1: Actually, it was quite good. It, it was... Um, you know, English audiences are very open. You know, you you get a chance. Mm-hmm they 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 do give you a chance to mess up mm-hmm. yeah they do they give they allow you they allow you they give you a chance to 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 shoot yourself mm. you know but you do but the 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 reaction has always been positive, you know, and I think one of the things that 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 helped me actually in England was the mere fact that I was doing something different, okay, I wasn't trying to be the next West Montgomery, the next George Benson mm-hmm. um, although i I still carried on playing um my regular you know Four day schedule, you know, a little trio gigs here and there, you mm-hmm. know, because I love the jazz tradition, you know, and it's important, you know, mm-hmm. that you keep in touch with the tradition. So I kept on doing that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think the fact that I had, um, I, I took that that Caribbean route
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of set me aside from from my peers. For so better or for worse, but it was different.
0: Again, you know, being this distant from England and thing, how many, how big is the scene? I know Annie's had it on Steel Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Cherry and Steel Pan. I, I know a few names, of course. Courtney Pine and, and a number of these mm-hmm. young musicians who, who were born in England. Nubia, guys, <laughs> Cross, Shabaka and Chabaka uh, Hutchins and these fellas. But um, in terms of your generation, how many Caribbean musicians were into jazz among your generation, playing and working and earning a living?
1: But it's it's funny thing. The, the when when I went when I went up to England, like I said, the, you know, reggae being the dominant culture, everyone played reggae mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. All the musicians I knew played reggae mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And Courtney came on the scene and then everyone played jazz. Mm. But in the last 10 years, there has been a, I would say, a jazz resurgence.
2: Mm. You know,
1: my generation, most of us, we 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 went into jazz via reggae mm. or via Calypso whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. and most of us are self-taught. Yes. But now we have a, a, a set of musicians who are coming straight from university mm. and they're hitting the scene. Uh-huh. So we have we have some pretty exceptional talented black jazz musicians on the scene right now in England uh-huh. doing great things. And what's great about it, uh-huh. a lot of them are, 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 are kind of going back to their roots, referencing their roots, especially those, who, you know, with, with direct African links, yes. like you know, the Nigerians and the Ghanaians. Uh-huh. really, really good to see. So yeah. they have not neglected their roots.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That there was a kind was a similar situation mm-hmm. in Trinidad. You talk about that education aspect of it because there was a generation that probably started playing, started recording in the mid two thousands, and they all had gone to music school or some conservatory somewhere, and mm-hmm. then they decided to record once again. Um, famously Etienne Charles plays trumpet as among yeah. a new generation. Um, Ming we call him Ming Michael Ochu Tong. He did a, a course at um the Bass Institute in in Florida. But he's recorded about seven or eight albums but there's this kind of thread where everybody went and studied music right now you've said that you're a self-taught musician and Maybe. well so far so good i am <laughs> practice 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 i'm often wondering what is more important that academy training at the beginning as well as practice or just practice 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 which one do you think is more important to career?
1: I think they both have their merits. I mean, it's you know we all products of our you know environment. You know, I came from an environment where you know no one went to music school. You know, you picked up a, music, a guitar because your friends played the guitar. Mm-hmm. I think the difference now is that a lot of kids are deciding that they want to be musicians from you know mm-hmm. 12, 13. and they've decided what route they want to go. I, I think as well, you know, I encourage all my students to to if they can afford to
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know to 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 go to music school, do it. Because mm-hmm. what it does, it, it 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 creates a situation where, basically, more work. You
2: mm-hmm.
1: will work more because if people know that you're a good reader, there's certain gigs mm-hmm. you will get that I won't get. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll give you a story. Re- uh, uh, maybe about ten years ago, um, I got a call a Saturday morning
2: mm-hmm.
1: to, to go down to BBC Radio Free to to do a gig. I'm like, well, they wanted to know if I was available right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like. Well, I'm not sure. What's the problem? Oh, they they got a gig and the guitarist can't do it. They're doing a, a tribute gig to Joe Zawino, who just mm, passed. Zavano, yeah, mm, uh, yes. And um, they're doing a big band radio program. So um, So she asked me, yeah. how is my reading? I said, it's, um, it's so-so. I said, if you send me the music, if you send me the music today, I'll be ready tomorrow. Yeah. She said, no, we wanted someone who could sight read really good and we need you now, like now. So I have to pass up on the
0: gig. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, so there advantages yeah, exactly.
0: of <laughs> so music school, I'm assuming. Yeah. Absolutely. Very much so. <laughs> but did that that of course didn't hinder your career then or certainly now, but but let's go back to then because after returned mm. to the source, you went to the other side of Notting Hill. Yep. A number of Caribbean people think of Notting Hill as well. That's where Caribbean people are and that's where Carnival is. What was it? <laughs> what was the philosophy behind that album and that name for
1: that album? The, you know, people have this perception of then uh, people had this perception of of Notting Hill Gate or Notting Hill area as this <laughs> bubbling, vibrant, you know, which it is. But there's a lot of poverty, mm. you know. There's a hell of a lot of poverty in Notting you know. And what I wanted to portray, especially with the artwork, which the record company they they, they weren't too keen on it. I, mean, I really wanted to go around taking pictures of a lot of mm. poor, people a lot of poor black people. Mm. And that was the idea behind it. I really wanted to portray. Look, there is another side to nothing It's not this glitzy. And of course, there was this film called Notting Hill yeah. by um, julia, julia Grant and Exactly, and Notting Hill became this place for all you know. Those, what's the word? What's the word? Gentrified. Well, yes, that that's even before the gentrifying, but that kind of. That that predated the gentrifying that actually started it all off, you know, because all of a sudden you couldn't buy property in that area. So I understand. You know, okay. mm. People started to look at you funny, you know, mm. shops and roads you used to walk down all your life. Now you're walking on people looking at you funny. Mm. You know, so the whole vibes just changed, just started changing. And now, I mean, I go down that area now, you know, I look like a thief because it's like I, I look like a stranger you know it's all changed now you know but the whole the whole concept behind that album was to to, to you know to, to to alert to people to hey there is another side to nothing and we took this series of photos and images but record company they pays the money so they decide now
0: so they are uh, photographs or not. i i think it's a piece of art if it's a pink album cover kind of yes and there's this
1: small building and actually i live in that building there mm-hmm. there's a tall yeah structure there and that's as far as they went, you know. I took, I, you know, I'd taken hundreds of pictures of images and still shots of people of, you know, drug addicts and drunks and, you know, guys lying down on the road, passed out, you know, uh-huh. but that's not in Hill Gates. <laughs>
0: Too much for the record company.
1: Too much. You were too close to the trumpet, too close to the bone, you
0: know? Well, I'm just thinking from a record, record company's perspective, I guess their job is to sell records. What were the album series like up to that point for your first three albums?
1: I'll um, tell you what. The first album, when I re- released it as Friday night, mm. I sold more copies than when the record company took it. Oh, no. Let's just say I made more money
0: because
1: okay. mm. everything came back to me mm-hmm. and they weren't really to be honest with you you know they i, I was very very unhappy with the way they went but you know for, for me personally they they didn't do much for me in terms of getting interviews and marketing the album properly and, so, and that's the reason i left and then i did guitar player guitar player because uh, that <laughs> yeah. was your next album <laughs> that was my next album yes you know yeah. but it, it, the thing with, with with jazz music it's always been like that i mean even now you know now it's even worse if you have gigs, mm-hmm. you'll be okay. If you've got gigs, you'll be okay. And the fact that I played with Courtney, I had gigs. Mm. Yeah. So I could always sell my, my CDs on the road and so on. But if you don't have gigs, if you don't have the ability to sell directly to the public, mm. it's, it's it's an uphill struggle.
0: is it um I'm just thinking, well, again, from this perspective, London is like the happening city on, on the other side of the pond. Mm-hmm. what is the act is it, are there many jazz clubs is it like every you, every night you could go to a different club and hear different live music
1: mm-hmm. well the, the the great thing about London with live music you can actually hear a different type of gig every night yeah you can go down the road and see some some soca music and mm-hmm. tomorrow go and see some jazz and then some reggae and then that that ability is still there you know mm-hmm. but over the you know jazz clubs have suffered a lot a lot of jazz clubs I've mm-hmm. shut down and keep closing down because a lot of the jazz clubs in London, they, they you know, they run by people who they're fans,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and they it's usually at the back of a pub where they rent, you know, they might get a little, some, some money from the arts council to have to run a, a series of gigs for six months. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very small, you know, the industry is very small. So it's very, very hard for, for, for jazz musicians to survive in England. very tough.
0: Were you able, I I, I recognize also that you were, you were touring, certainly with Courtney, among others and things, um, mm-hmm. were you getting any interest for your music outside of England
1: and the Caribbean? Yes, I had interest in Japan. I had quite a bit of interest in Japan. Japan yeah. Yes, in, in fact, there was a, a, a radio show, you know, a weekly show, I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. that kept on using one song of mine, that's his theme music,
0: which song was that? Do you remember?
1: I don't. I don't know. But all I know was every time I got my my PRS, my my publishing thing, every three months, mm-hmm. I'd see some money coming from this radio station, and I never really understood why. And that went in for about ten years. Wow.
0: You, you, Before, don't, you don't remember which album it was from? It was, the it was from the
1: first album, Friday Nights. Mm. You know. And then I did a little bit of digging up, and I, I I found out that it was a a radio station who had one of those weekly serials. You know. Mm. And they were using that one sound, oh, yeah. well, but my music was as far as you know Portugal, new Zealand, you know because when you get your 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 royalty slip or your publishing thing, you know it gives you a breakdown of all the way music is played every country the music is played yes mm-hmm. but Japan was definitely a big one for me
0: you've you've taught Japan with your music
1: not with my music, but I've taught Japan and Courtney many times'. With yeah.
2: Courtney.
0: Yeah. Mm. that Courtney connection I know is certainly very important and I know was he a co-producer of those records of your early records yes he co-produced um, I did a trio album called about Pad that. Up it's Pad Up yeah I'm going to talk about that next yeah
1: yes he, mm. he co-produced that yes yeah. and actually he produced that and the last album I did Pad Um,", um reader Jumbo yes he produced that as well yes
0: mm. yeah. yeah well let's talk about Pad Up because mm-hmm. um, I, I I was reading Thing is, man, he and man had done a review of the record. Of course, by the we are cricket fans, in the Caribbean, and the Indies, as you mm-hmm. know. So part of makes sense and Backford Drive and all these titles. And <laughs> it, clearly, you're, 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 you're punning your way through that cricket, uh, cricket um, dictionary. Tell yeah. me about that album and, and the inspiration for that. I'm assuming by that time you'd already left the the label that you were with prior.
1: Yes, I had. Well, the, the, you know, it's. Uh... There's this perception, I'm not sure if it exists in Trinidad or outside, but, you know, if you call yourself a jazz musician,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you have to do a straight ahead album. Hmm. You know, you, you could play jazz fusion, you could play Caribbean jazz, you could play all kinds of jazz, but people expect you in England, you know, until you've done that straight ahead mm-hmm. jazz album, people look at you differently.
2: Hmm.
1: And I felt the need to do that and just shut everybody up and then go back to what I do. I should have make a play. <laughs> I should have made a play a
2: little bit. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I'm do it. I'm not it.
1: the idea behind it and of course i love cricket i'm a, you know like most caribbean people
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know I'm I'm, I'm I'm a big cricket fan mm-hmm. and um i i've always considered cricket to be very similar to jazz and i'll I, tell you why
0: tell me why that's interesting say, to hear
1: i'll tell you why i say that is you know with jazz is is jazz examines your technique mm-hmm. and your temperament and mm-hmm. it's the same with cricket.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you see when you when you're playing in a jazz situation and you're soloing although you have the rest of the band there but you know, it's really up to you how you how you deal with the, your nerves, how you deal with how the audience is gonna treat you. It's the same when you go to bats; it's just you alone and five thousand people in the crowd. Yeah, and if you take just... a duck,
2: uh-huh.
1: you're just walking back on your own. If you score a century, the crowd go crazy. True. And when you have a fast bowler trying to, you know, a fast bowler trying to knock your head off, I'm gonna say the exact words I was gonna to say to knock your yes, head off. Yes, <laughs> it's the same as playing like a, a giant step song. You know, playing a jazz unit. 200, 250 BPM, your technique and your temperament comes into question. Mm-hmm. To me, it's exactly the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's exactly also the same. So
0: if you same. have Cameron Pierre, cricket and jazz, same thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the same me.
1: I, I, I look at them as the same. It really does, you know, playing jazz, especially at fast tempos,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it tests you to a certain, it, it really, you know, your composure has been tested.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, your technique um how patient are you you know are you just gonna just go back into your shell Mm
2: -hmm.
1: are you gonna just face the demon and and fight it head on are you gonna take it head on it's the same as as when you face a fastballer mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah that's that's how i look at it i got you
0: so at this point now i think 2007 is when pad came up it's about Mm -hmm. 30 years into your professional career is that accurate
1: that's a long time,
0: boy. A long time, yeah. And of course, Courtney is, Courtney is your, 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 your bandmate, as it was, and your producer, you have been producing this really. And as, as I said, by the time we release um, Radio Jumbo in 2011, I think we engaged with you in, in Trinidad in 2014, 2015. 14 years. I, can't the, I can't remember the exact year, but mm-hmm. um, I was blown away by you talk about doing um giant steps at 250 BPM. I was looking at your 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 picking. Right, you had either of his sweep technique, I don't know the ne- specific name, but you were doing these lightning fast runs and they were accurate. It wasn't that like you your fingers weren't sticking, your fretwork was accurate. And I'm thinking, I say, Who is this guy? I, I, trust me, I was blown away because I'd heard the record. We made a recommendation, yeah, let's bring Cameron Pierre. I think you may have been in St. Lucia, so getting you to try that was not difficult. We played with a local band, Michael M- Lau-Chutong, Elan Pale, Ming, and his mm-hmm. band. But I'm just thinking to myself, wow, this man's technique. This is what practice and practice and practice does. But um, talk me through that idea of your, your technique and that, that fast-sweeping technique as opposed to Wes Montgomery's thumbing or, or, is it, or Benson's fluidity.
1: Tell me, how did you get Well, I, I have to give Courtney Pine all the praise for that. I'll tell you why. Courtney plays everything
2: mm.
1: at 300 BPM. I mean, yes. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. You, you you know we we I'll give you an idea. We went to we went to um, <laughs> every time every time I think about it, I laugh. We went to uh, um to Japan. We went to Tokyo. We played a blue note Tokyo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mario Kanaji's is on piano. Mm-hmm. So this is the first gig he's doing for us. When the gig started, he played sixteen bars and he stopped and he looked at me. Mm. He said, "Come on." <laughs>
0: welcome to court define express
1: <laughs> i laugh oh god i laugh so much at night you know and and you know once it starts like that it ain't getting slower wow. so over the years i really had to find a way just through force of i mean repetition 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 eventually you know and mm. yes i kind of started up, up, getting up to speed getting up to speed and of course you know you do a lot of practicing at home and, mm-hmm. but on those gigs i really learned to play you know especially when so we went for a courtney went for a period where he went to japan for about every year for about eight to nine years
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and he would do five nights in tokyo Five nights in Osaka, five nights in in in, in, in you know Fukuoka, wherever it was,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and you do two gigs a night, you know, I mean that will sharpen you up. Yeah, yeah. So constant playing. playing. Do you play, constantly uh,
0: w- w- when you were touring with Courtney, I, you you were touring with Courtney, and you were doing gigs by yourself,
1: or were you doing tours on your own?
0: In I was homes? doing
1: the gigs by myself. I was doing, and all the time I had my little regular. Mm. You know, my regular trio gigs, you know. So when I come off the road, I'm hitting the liquor club down the road, you know, I do my trio gigs every Friday and every Saturday. Okay. You know, I have to get my dose of of mm. straight ahead stuff. Yeah. Straight ahead stuff. So you were doing straight ahead stuff as a Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time.
0: Okay. Yeah. And mm. it was was it like the up record I understand it's an organ bass, just organ drum and you?
1: Yes, organ, drums, guitar. Yeah. Organ drums, guitar. Organ, trio. And that's that's my favorite setup, really. Mm. If I was to choose a setup, if someone said to me you could only have one setup to play, that's the setup I would choose. I, really yeah. I love that setup.
0: setup. I well, I'm, I'm a fan of Pat Metheny, and ah. he started in that organ trio tradition when he was in Kansas as a teenager. And then, of course, yes. well, yeah. you know, you know his story. And he just decided to do mm-hmm. any and everything. Um You mentioned Mario's name a number of times, and I think Mario, I I, I saw him in St. Lucia, and brilliant, 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 brilliant musician. Oh, phenomenal i would love to have him on my podcast i hope mm-hmm. his english is fluent because my french is poor but um your final album 2011 radio Ooh. jumbo right mario is the, kind of one of the featured artists and thing um a, f- a favorite song of mine on that album is ma molly that song ma molly it just that is where i, I, I recognize your technique was that final solo which you did brother man what, what, what is happening there what is happening there
2: (音楽) ¶¶
0: The, the, courtney had been your kind of your, your your kind of linchpin in your career earlier was mm. that 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 dynamic with you and mario on this final on this 2011 album
1: you know i i met mario at uh you know i told you when i went to paris and i went to this party and they played this mm. album american yeah. i i went up to the dj and he told me who it was and he said to me i've got his phone number i can give it to you mm. i'm like okay so he gave me Mario's number. Yes. So we're talking. That's like my son born. That's like 1994. He gave me Mario's number. I take the number. Next morning, I pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. I call Mario. He speak. He's from Martinique. He speak yeah. Creole. I speak Creole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, "Yeah, man." He said, "I'm doing a a, a gig, you know, in this in the shopping center. Come down." So I went on to the gig. I met him. Cool, brother. You know. We exchange numbers, and I left it at that. Mm-hmm. Never followed it up until. When I was ready to do the album, mm-hmm. I I looked for the number, I couldn't find anyway. you know, everything is on, on Facebook. I found him online and I just sent him a message, say, Look, mm-hmm. I'm recording an album, I could pay you X amount of money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd really love you to do it. Within an hour, mm-hmm. he returned he, re- he returned my, my email he told me, Yeah, man, he'd love to. Wow. Yes, man. Really
2: easy. Connection, easy, easy, easy,
1: easy connection. Here, that That's how it's we found that we had so much in common. I mean, we like a couple of weeks apart in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And when I went to Martinique to, I told her I was playing with Black Roots. Mm-hmm. And um, we went to Martinique, age 15, 16, I was to do this album. I found out, he told me, he's the very next door to the studio. That's where he lived. Ah, oh, right. So he's right there. He said the studio is this number and the next number is his house. <laughs> really, really strange coincidence, you know? Mm-hmm but um when i did that i, I, I must say it was Courtney's idea mm. to 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 bring mario on the project to bring mario on the project yeah it was, it was his idea you know but, idea. And an yeah, inspiring yeah. idea as well inspiring decision.
0: very much so because mm. it kind of re-explored um i would suggest the rhythms of well, the creole rhythms mm-hmm. in in the in the islands here yeah, certainly dominica martnik and that kind of thing those kind of zook rhythms and things. but um your, your technique was on display but what happened after twenty eleven? Because we're in twenty twenty two and noon and I forget about twenty
1: 2020 twenty to twenty two the COVID stopped. Nothing yeah.
0: happened in the, the twenty tens in I, terms of recording. Well
1: I tell you what, you know, I started doing another album.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I started recording another album and um I was halfway through it and then man, I just realized the the record scene, you know, recording wise was just there was just no money to be made from this anymore. Mm. And I just felt had I gone and spent five thousand pounds recording an album, i just couldn 't see how I was going to recoup that money
0: would 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 you i would suggest that you may recoup it not so much from streaming royalties that's that's ridiculous but yeah, yeah in terms of presenting that music to a live audience touring i mean yeah yeah
1: i I thought about it, but you know what i don 't know what to be honest with you i don 't know what happened i really i really don't know what happened but I started recording this album and i just stopped i just mm. I just, uh, you, you know, there's, I kind of felt, I went for a period when I felt really, um, you know, sometimes you feel like you're not really getting your dues, you know, you're you, you, you putting in all this work and, and certain things is not happening. Mm. You don't really want to quit, but it's like beating your head against a brick wall, you know? Mm. And, you know, I, I really just decided, like, look, I look, one of the reasons that, I mean, I came back to Dominica was, you know, there are many reasons, but one of the reasons was, I, I realize it's almost like, you know, when something has run its course, wow. you get to the end of a certain road and you realize, you know what? You could run if you want, mm-hmm. but not, not going to happen.
0: That's the end of that. Yeah.
1: That's the end of this. And I, I got to a stage where I just thought to myself, man, this isn't working. I'm still gigging, mm-hmm. but this whole thing of going to record an album, release an album and expecting X, Y, Z to happen after the album yes and, and and xyz did not happen after radio jumbo mm. and i'm thinking hold on a minute something does not add up here you know you know for doing another album would only satisfy my cravings you know it, it there's no way i yeah i just couldn't see the reason, any reason to do to do another album yeah so, so That's
0: does, the that, does that mark the end of your well not so much recording
1: career well Oh here. no, 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 but, no, no! But that's
0: what I'm thinking. I'm, I, I'm, I'm hearing no. what you're
1: saying. No, 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 no! But come I, on, I, we're fine. I, I, I needed, I needed a, a a a boost. I needed some. I needed a change of scenery.
0: Ah, so the return to Dominica, which is my next question, has offered me that change of scenery.
1: I'm, I'm, what I'm year trying. That? To...
0: Sorry, what year was the return to Dominica?
1: Um, my family came. down. I came in 2020. Twenty twenty. Yes, just recently. Yes, my wife, came, my wife and daughter came down in nineteen. Mm. I came down. came down in February of two thousand twenty, just before everything shut down. But yeah, yeah, just in time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, good decision, boy. Everybody think I knew something. Mm-hmm. Everybody from London for me asking me. So who told you to go now? What did you, you must have known something. I'm like, no. <laughs> That's true. You, you, you got away because I, I, I escaped.
0: You escaped. You're quite right about that. Um. Yeah. So in the 2010s, you, you said that the you recognize that you are coming to the end of that. That um.
1: Yeah, that phase after, that phase. after Radio Jumbo. So oh. I would say from about 2013. Mm. onwards i I realized i was getting more i was getting more work outside of the uk
2: Mm. i was
1: being offered more stuff outside of england you know well i think it's certainly radio jumbo opened
0: my ears to you i'd never heard the other albums before radio jumbo Mm. and i'm one of those guys who was well i heard one i want to hear everything
2: so of course i went
0: searching for the earlier albums Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um and just recently i had to get the years but i just found records and ebay and all these kind of (laughs) (laughs) thing right but um in terms of your recording career, let's assume that you haven't stopped, as you said. But for oh now, no, 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 no! But no. for now, you have your six albums. Never mm-hmm. thought of this notion of a compilation? Admittedly, I what is first off? Let me, let me, let me rephrase this question. Part one: What do you think of the streaming environment for modern musicians?
1: Does it make sense? Would you put? I, it I must. I, I must confess, I don't know much about this. I have to say that. I mean, I should know more, but I don't. You know, uh, maybe hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving away my age and my vintage. But I, I, I really don't know much about it. What what I really want to do now, my thing right now, is to i have embarked on this program of, well, um, I'm not sure if program is the right word, but I'm re-recording my mm-hmm. songs, but with vocals.
0: Oh, make 10 songs. Okay, wonderful.
1: Yes. So I've just done one with this girl, is singer called Tasha P. Mm-hmm. And um there's another prominent singer on Island here who's Mikael. she's going to. Yes, mikhail I've done. I've just done recorded. I've just recorded, re-recorded another one for Michael Henderson. Michael
0: Henderson. Yeah. So
1: she, she's going to write lyrics for that. Mm-hmm. And another one for a singer called Carly xp She's going to write lyrics for that. So I'm embarking oh, come on to, this.
0: Come to Trinidad. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to come Coming to Trinidad. Yeah, come to we Trinidad. You, you, we have you know, a we have, an, we have a market. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I I. Dominique is where you're from, and I'm not denying that you that's where you have to be. But you know, there's also markets, right? And market oh. Guadeloupe,
1: definitely, but Trinidad, of course, of course, of Charlie. course, absolutely. Yes. you know, look, I, I don't see myself a, okay, of course, I'm Dominican, but I consider myself to be a Caribbean person first.
0: Thank you very much. Say it again loud and proud. Oh, Caribbean no, I'm telling you.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm from the Caribbean. When I'm in England, I tell people I'm from the Caribbean. If they ask okay. specifically where, I the them from Dominica. Mm-hmm. I'm a Caribbean man.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Period. You know, because there's very little that separates us.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. when 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 i in when I was in London, mm-hmm. the musicians I played together most was Trinidad guys, Felix Ruiz and Curtis mm-hmm. and, and and Richard Bailey Richard and Bailey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, and it, proper, Um, there's Nadine and the oh, holy proper. You know. Mm-hmm. So me, I I consider myself a Caribbean person first. You know, you. I don't care what Dominicans want to think about that. Me is a Caribbean. Man. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yes, I'm from Dominica, but mm-hmm. there's very very little that separates us. When I'm in Jamaica, I don't feel any different. When I'm in Trinidad, when I'm in St Lucia or um, in Grenada, I don't feel any different. Got you. You know, I mean, just recently we um the the Creole Jazz here, Ming. Michael Ocheta, Michael and and and, and oh, yes, the, and um, I think it's Madupe the Yeah, Madupe. They yeah, were yeah, here. They yeah, spent the a week there just off the road from where I am now. Just they were living in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Madupe would go along in the village and get this thing and come back guess. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. you never. I, I'm sure he didn't feel he was in Trinidad I know he he was in Dominica. Mm-hmm. He was home.
0: Yeah, the, Michael, did tell us about it because I think he had gotten the gig with um Michael. Yes, so, yes. So certainly mm-hmm. um he was there. The the Caribbean scene in terms of festivals and jazz. Of course, you've done. I know you've done jazz artists and greens in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. I know, of course, you've done jazz and Creole and Dominica. Have you done Saint Lucia? Yes, I and, did Saint Lucia in two
1: thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen, and I did. Um, I did um, um, Antigua just before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Might have been the same year. I did Antigua in. Might be the same year I did. I mean, I did an um, artisan jazz and, and then Jazz I did, I did and Degrees in Trinidad. Before, like, yes. Yeah. So
0: tell me about the future now, because we're going to be wrapping up this podcast very soon. What is the f- you said you're you're re-recording some of your songs with vocals? Mm-hmm. What else is in in on track for coming well, Going
1: what I, to- I want to do. What I really want to do now is, I mean, I'm on the verge of of or in the process of getting an agency so to tie up. I basically want to just gig in the region. I just want to just travel in the area mm-hmm. and just gig. I was talking to um um Terrence Terrence Shaw the other day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I, it'd be nice to do some guitar stuff together. I'd really love to do some more guitar. Yes, I yes. think so it's on our the, large podcast, the podcast before this was, one. Yes, I know. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Terry is a phenomenal mm-hmm. guitarist, Definitely. you know. I look at this butt, I'm like, damn, the brother can play. So I'd love to do some stuff with Terry, yeah. you know. And um, so that's my thing now, you know. Mm-hmm. As the COVID thing, we're kind of getting over it and things are beginning to get yeah. back to a little bit of normality. Yeah, I, I want to um, start hooking up with guys in the movie.
0: Yeah, are um, so you going to be working with other musicians? If you worked with Boo Hinks, I'm just curious.
1: Boo Hinks, I've never worked with Boo Hinks. I'd love to, but um, we were scheduled to play a gig a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and um, it never worked out. It never worked mm. out. Let me leave it at that. Yes, <laughs> let's leave it at did, that. It didn't work out. But Boo was one of my early heroes, you know, mm. when he had the band um, Boo and the True Tones. Boo oh, and the True Tones, yeah. Mm. You know, I used, I used to listen to that band all the time. I used to have their records mine. My, my mom had their records. And then mm. when I went up to England, mine, you know. So it's a band I've listened to Boo for a very long time. But I, yeah. I don't think it's so much of it.
0: There's a, there's a growing number of Jasmine's Ernest Wrangling, of course, one of those greats as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah me? but a modern set well you of course and terry almost in the same generation probably you're probably a little older and terry clifford charles who's another smooth jazz right. i love his music i love his style and that kind of thing so there's a kind of there's there's a grouping of caribbean jazz musicians playing guitar mm-hmm. and i as 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 a fan and kind of co-promoter I would and, and not
1: sorry to cut you but Maurice gordon from you know, Maurice gordon from from um from jamaica great player yeah yeah, very good. Learn. I'm. I'm happy that the musicians
0: are once again restarting after COVID. I'm happy mm-hmm. that they're discovering their individual voices or their individual styles because my thing has always been we need a lot more content. I understand what you said about you had reached the end of your phase and the music business wasn't making much sense. But as a fan and as I, I, I just hope that you do ever stop making music <laughs> because I knew you wouldn't stop playing music. But I don't want you to stop making
1: music no. and, and, and creating that original sound. No, that's that's never gonna happen. That's never gonna happen. But I I think just as you know, you have to recognize, you know, you have to know your limitations. Mm-hmm. I think it's important you do. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to know when something has run its course. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in England, England
0: had that was a I moment. had run.
1: You know, I look. I, a lot of people ask me why even now why you go to why you thing? because i was work, I was doing four gigs a week i was happy
2: mm-hmm.
1: i was working four gigs a week i was teaching two days a week
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: i was good mm-hmm. you know but life is a bit more than that got you you know life is a bit it's a lot more than that here mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 i'm amongst people who look like me song like me if i go for a job and i don't get it i can't say it's because i'm black
0: got you you understand? I hear you loud and clear on that one, and mm-hmm. that is—it's a matter of peace of mind. And and as a Caribbean community, we all—we ha- all have to work together to develop ourselves. And we we're not—we're not at war with anybody, but we certainly okay. have to be. We have to be settled and content in ourselves so we could excel at our best. and things. Cameron mm-hmm. Pear from Dominica, and England, and everywhere else, and Caribbean. I wanna thank, thank you very much for this conversation, right? We had never I, I never had a long mm-hmm. conversation with you, but this mm-hmm. has been enlightening. It's a, wow. a phrase that I always use. I and just, it's and it's an exposure for me as a fan of the kind of UK scene and the Caribbean impact on the UK jazz scene. Mm-hmm. And you being part of that, well, along with Courtney and this new generation of of Tomorrow's Warriors as they will. I want to thank you for the music. I hope that you continue making music. I hope you re-record your, your songs, but I hope you also put out that album that you stop because we do ever want to hear. We want to hear original music. More content yeah. makes us happier.
1: <laughs> Plus, we the Caribbean, will support you. So
0: just put out the record.
1: I, I know, know you me. will. I know you will. I'm, I'm, good home. There, I'm, I'm home, but I'm good. You're I'm, you're good. Good. I'm, I'm not gonna go. stop playing. I can't stop. I mean, stop. If I stop, you stop. You die. You know. Yeah, that's it's like I you mean. retire. Yeah, if I stop, I mean, I just ready to dead. look
0: at this wrangling just released a record just the other day and he's 90 years old don't
1: stop that's all i'm gonna tell you no 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 i i can't i can't stop i can't can't never stop that's not not gonna happen but you know yes things will happen things things you know once it's i'm working with these singers doing some stuff and i'll be good wonderful i'll be good
0: again again thank you thank you cameron thanks for having Um, me i am niger campbell that was tamron pair good evening thank you gentlemen Island Jazz Chat has been a production of Jazz in the Islands magazine powered by iradio.tt